Guys, I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while. So I'm going to try my best not to disappoint, but we're going to have a wonderful morning. Does that sound good? Hey? Awesome. So if you will, uh, Joe, let's hit some of those pictures up. So it's quite cool just to start off with this. Look at that. Guys, just saying this is pre-marriage, so you can check my summer body going on there. There's Jan and I. Put it back. Oh, you got it on the slideshow thing. You can't pause it. Go back to the first one if you can, Joe, please. In the picture, you'll see that little castle thing. So that is Thessaloniki over there. Jan and I have had the privilege of going to that place twice uh, to minister to some people uh, and some churches. And it's, it's really, it makes the Bible kind of come alive. So this is why I wanted to put it up there. Okay, Joe, thanks, bro. You can, you can roll through them. There, that we are, I think I was on the island of Thassos, which is also kind of all in that little, that little, um, that little area there. It was interesting. <laughs> Jan was ministering to that lady. That's also in Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, whichever way you want to say it. And you'll see that guy, Tommy, enjoy Coke, the drink. Um, Tommy is a pastor in Thessaloniki. He drove me at 190 kilometers an hour, me praying to the Lord not to meet him at that moment in time to take me to Macedonia. If you are aware, Macedonia, it really is like Borat country. We, on the highway, came across someone on a, like a donkey little push uh, cart thing. And technically, you're not really supposed to cross from Greece into Macedonia because it's not part of the Schengen visas. However, all it is is some guy, it's like a toll road, just sitting there looking at cars watching you cross the border. So the refugee thing is very real over there because I crossed the border and no one even knew about it. Mm. That, so just about an hour's drive from Thessaloniki is Philippi the city where Paul was put in prison. So that's not the prison that Paul was in when he uh, wrote some of the things, but it would have been a, looked exactly like this, and what they have in the ground is a whole like, row of them. So he would have been in one of those. Kind of cool, eh, to like, know that this is real. So Philippi is actually just a bunch of ruins now because what happened was after Caesar was murdered by Brutus, they had a Roman civil war, and the last battle of that civil war happened just outside Philippi, between Thessalonica and Philippi, and because of that, that town doesn't really exist anymore, it's just a bunch of ruins. Anyway, there it is there, that's just a bunch of ruins. So guys, that's just to, to paint a little bit of a picture of um, Thessalonians, and I actually had prepared this preach quite a while ago, um, I'd written it down, had kind of got all the things ready to rock and roll, and then Stan got up last week and preached a really beautiful preach um, and mentioned even some quotes that I had down. So I had to pivot slightly, but really, really excited. So where's Emmanuel? I saw you after. Emmanuel, can you come up, bro? Yeah, you. Don't get scared, guys. Don't be afraid. I know he's huge. And then, uh, yeah, Emmanuel, could you come and stand over here? <clears throat> and Hilton Warburton, can you come stand over here? Are you ready? Remember everything I told you? Okay, Hilton, punch him in the throat. Don't you want to fight him? Why not? You're nervous. I would also be a little bit nervous. Don't worry. Let's get someone else. I'll be Kevin. Can you come help? Can you come help Hilton? Are you feeling a bit more confident? A little bit more confident. Don't worry, man. I won't really make them punch you in the throat, okay? Maybe. Greg, can you come stand here? Are you guys feeling a little bit better? Eh? He's huge, eh? It's a little bit ridiculous. See, Greg's hiding. 
But you're feeling a bit more confident, right? We're getting there, slowly but surely. <clears throat> Maybe Brandon, one more person. Come on, Brandon. Now you guys are feeling a little bit better, hey? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Hilton can do much. He's just all looks. So how's this? All of a sudden, these guys are feeling a lot more confident. In a physical fight, we kind of look at this and we go, this is how things kind of work. We're going to get our crew, our cronies, we're going to get together, and this is how we fight our battles. But I want to tell you that success is a team sport. And how come we all think in a physical fight, but actually when it comes to our spiritual fights, we try to do it alone? See, we try to do it alone, and we think, oh, we're going to hide in the shadows of our shame, and we think we can just do this. Okay, you guys all go sit down. Hilton can stay. Thank you. But we're going, to try, we're going to try to do this alone because we try hard in the shadows of our shame. You see, because success is a team sport. Thank you, guys. I hope that makes sense. <clears throat> you see, if we, even if we look at the most, uh, I think David is probably one of the most successful biblical uh, examples of, um, of a mighty man because David and his mighty men, that's why it rings true. But the idea is this, even when David fought Goliath, he wasn't alone. He had an entire army standing behind him. And then he had Jonathan, and then he had his mighty men. He never did anything alone. And so often, we can talk about this, and we can talk about counting the cost, and where we're going to go, and the fights, and the battles that we're going to do. But the purpose of this community is to actually sit here and do it together, not alone. So before I continue, Stanley is not here. Neither is Heather. They are preaching down at River Life Church in the South Coast. They were there for a wedding. They obviously did really well at whatever they did, and they're now going back to preach there. So if you're wondering where they are, that's where they are. There they are. Oh, and they took the Williams Winds with them. There we go. That's Dana Langton in the middle. Where's Dana? You? No, she's not here. That's from today, I think. Is that a live picture from today? There we go. That's a live picture from today. <clears throat> there we go. And... Here's some other news, in case you're wondering, because I'm going to talk a little bit about buildings and the cost and what it takes to get. So if you weren't here last week, Stan did mention there was a little bit of a technical mishap, a little bit of a whatever, but the way it happened, you kind of got to understand and believe that God is sovereign in all of this. So the building that we have shown you, um, that we had on the screens that we we're praying for, is not our building. Does it change anything? Absolutely not. We're still trusting the Lord for a place to meet. We've got time to figure it out. We still are believing for a place for, uh, call it the heart of home, a place for offices, a place for we friends, uh, a place where we can gather midweek. So this place can be a little bit released uh, during the week to be used as a conference venue for the rest of the lease that we have it for. But we are still trusting as a church to uh, purchase a building of sorts. So please continue to pray, continue to give. Uh, this is not the end. It's just uh, another part of the process. Eh? Amen. Is that okay? Right. I'm going to read a little bit of this because I, don't, I want to get it right. In 1988-99, 23 odd years ago, a group of people were in a battle, a fight for their existence. A pioneering people, a marching people, a diverse people. Some were old, but most were young, naive, and inexperienced. School teachers, engineers, and students, doctors, and welders, and plumbers, and electricians. They embarked on a journey, a physical and spiritual tussle for legacy. All with one thing in common. Jesus. They soon realized that even in the Bible, people need a place to meet, a roof over their head. 
And so they started, and they picked, they dreamed big, and they picked a fight, a big fight, a big battle, and they began a journey to build the place that you sit in this morning. Some cashed in their pensions, some sold bicycles, others gave up moving into new homes. Some gave up new clothes and nights out, others gave up breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Some gave 10 rand, some gave hundreds of thousands of rands. But all of them understood that it cost something. And how many of you know that this building is a victory that we get to walk in because of the people before us? See, I wasn't a part of that journey, partly because I wasn't born yet. <laughs> and some of you have been here since then, all of a sudden feeling a little bit um, on the older side. But how's this? Out of Glenridge Church, 14 direct church plants, 21 plants from those, and a handful of takeovers. So conservatively speaking, 50 churches have come from this place. Is this thing not working well? Man, this one's not working either. That one working? There we go. <clears throat> the reason I bring that to you is because I wasn't here for that fight. I just get to walk in the victory of it. So I don't understand the process. I don't know what happened beforehand. All I know is that I get to come to a place on Thursdays for prayer and on Sundays for, for church. And it's beautiful and I love it. And what happens is when I speak to people who were here for that, they talk about Glenridge and a little bit of reverence. Some get a little bit emotional. And I was asking the Lord, what, like, what, is, what is this thing that Glenridge carries? What is it that people always speak about Glenridge with a little bit of reverence or emotion? And it's because if you speak to the people that were a part of that fight, it cost them something. Not just money, but it actually cost them time, effort, blood, sweat, tears. See, the value is not inside this building. This is just bricks and mortar, this stuff over here. <clears throat> but the value is actually in the cost it took people to get us to this point. I'll tell you another story. I asked Paul if I could share it. So Spooners, if I get this wrong, sorry. But Paul and Beth, 23 years ago, gave their pension towards this place. Paul did make me, uh, did clarify that it was 23 years ago, so their pension was not massive. Uh, but nonetheless, it was something significant. <clears throat> Isn't it funny, eh, Paul? You gave your pension, so one day you could sit there and listen to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey? Oh, guys. <clears throat> but let's just look at it. Look, like, I love to put things in rands and cents because we are simple humans, and all of a sudden when you start talking about money, people understand and, and it kind of means something to us, which is a strange thing and how we built. But let's think of it this way. Now, these are my own made-up figures. This is not what the Spooners did, okay? This is not what they gave. This is not, it has nothing. But I just want to paint a little bit, a little bit of a picture. But if 20, 23 years ago, they had called it 25,000 rand inside a pension, and they put 500 rand a month, every month for 23 years towards their pension. So when they retired, they had something. Know what that amount would be now? I had to Google it. I actually had to Google like, how to work this stuff out. Because usually when I do things like this, I have to phone Craig and ask him. That amount would be 784-odd thousand rand. You see, the people that gave 23 years ago are actually still giving to this day. There's still a significant cost that they had to walk through. And that's why this place means something. You know, again, Paul and Beth, they've looked after Paul's mom for like 136 years until this year. 
Now they're looking after Beth's mom and dad. And how many of you know that 780 odd thousand rand right now would come in handy, eh? So people are still giving to this day, to this place. But I want to tell you that the victory is only as sweet as the battle is hard. So what is the fruit of that? What is the fruit of Paul and Beth's giving? What is the fruit of those who gave bicycles, gave up lunches and dinners to be here? Everything of that was significant. Where's Stanley and Vestine? Are you guys here? I did see you today. Where? There. Oh, there you are. Can you guys stand up for a second? Come on, Vestine. I'm not going to call you to the front. I won't. But church, these people here arrived a couple years ago, a few years ago, French-speaking refugees from the Civil War in Rwanda. Fast forward to now, they lead our city home group. They have two kids. One's a doctor. One plays keyboard over here and is a cyber security expert, all because people gave to this place. So we actually have, a, thanks guys, we actually have a whole bunch of these testimonies written down and we're going to, Jan's going to get upset because I just spitballed this now. We're going to start to share that on social media so people can see it. In case you weren't busy enough, love. <clears throat> Where's Dawny? There you go. Dawn, stand up. Thanks, Dawny. There's Dawny. Guys, Dawn has been here since before I was born. She joined here in 1988, Dawn. And do you know what? I couldn't even count the number of home groups or church planters that came because you greeted someone at that front door. I would sit here right now. I could stand here now and I could probably assume you've met 85 to 90% of the people in this room. Every Sunday you're here, you're meeting people, you're introducing them, you're networking them, you're connecting them. You've probably planted more than 50 churches yourself, Dawn, and you haven't even realized it. Thank you. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing that when we understand the cost of something, we all of a sudden realize the value of it? I left something behind. Bez, can you bring that here, please? No, don't take it out. It's a secret. <clears throat> so I'm going to read from 2 Samuel 24. You can pop it up there. Joe? That very day, Gad approached David and told him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor that belongs to Aruna, the Jebusites. So David went up, just as Gad had ordered, consistent with the Lord's command. When Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his staff approaching him. Aruna went out, bowed before the king with his face on the ground, and asked him, Why has your majesty the king come to me, his servant? And David replied, To purchase your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord, so the pestilence can be averted from the people. This was a plague that they were trying to get rid of. The Lord spoke to David. This is to Gad. Gad was one of David's personal prophets, kind of like Hilton to me. Aruna responded to David, May your majesty the king take it and offer whatever pleases him. Here are oxen for a burnt offering, along with the threshing sledges and yokes from the oxen for wood. Your majesty, Aruna, gives all of this to the king. Aruna also told the king, May your Lord God be pleased with you. No, the king replied to Aruna, I will buy them from you at full price. I will not offer to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. When you don't know the cost of something, you can easily not understand its value. See, when things are free, they have no value. So if you believe 
that you are worth nothing, you'll probably give yourself away for an instant moment of satisfaction. In Romans 12, it talks about us being living sacrifices. So let's not give the Lord something that costs us nothing. You can walk in here, and you can go through. We'll get to that. But this is what Paul is talking about in Thessalonians. Your sexuality costs something. And if you don't see that, you can just simply give it away. When we put it into rands and cents and effort and blood, sweat and tears, and the example I used to fight a battle, we, we do it together because this is how we do it together. We don't hide in the shadows of our shame. But it's easy to understand in a building context that something had to, something it cost to build this place so we can gather. How much more did it cost for your body? You see, for some reason, we let our dead man come back alive when we talk about our sex lives. And this is going on YouTube, so I'm going to say sex a lot because I'm going to up our ratings. <laughs> it's like the first episode inside a series. They get you, eh? How many of you have watched Game of Thrones? Don't put your hands up. You shouldn't be watching that nonsense. <clears throat> we are dead. Ephesians 2. I think we've got that one up, if I remember. There we go. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, lowercase s, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, the following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. This is what a dead man does. How many of you know that a dead man's a selfish man? A dead man only lives for himself, doesn't care about anyone else. A dead man doesn't experience love or care for someone. A dead man only looks after their own satisfaction. <clears throat> See, because when you're dead, you're self-consumed. But with Jesus, everything can change. So what was the cost? What was the cost for your life? We talk about a cost for the building. We can put it into time, effort, rand, sense. But when we talk about ourselves, what was the cost for us? The cost for us was the death of our Savior. So why do you think we can simply give Jesus something that cost us nothing? It's supposed to be a battle. Oh, but Nick, you don't understand. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard. 1 Thessalonians, this is okay, Thessalonians, for all the guys, the theologians out there who are wondering when I was going to get to Thessalonians. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, 3 to 8. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Because remember, that's what dead people do. They live for themselves. You're not dead anymore. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Remember when we had holy up there? Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you this Holy Spirit. You want to know why it says at the end there, the very God who gives you his, gives you his Holy Spirit? Because you can only do it with this Holy Spirit. 
So when you're rejecting the Holy Spirit and to help you fulfill this life, the way the Scripture talks about, we're not actually just getting rid of the Holy Spirit. We're actually rejecting God, the giver of the gift. Okay. I hope this works. Who can I use? Craig. Willie. No, let's use Willie. I, <laughs> I trust Willie a little bit more. Willie, can you stand just over there, bro? Okay. I really hope this works, Willie. <clears throat> This is my phone, bro. My work phone. Here's my personal phone. Here's my work phone. I'm going to keep my personal phone over there. We're going to use my work phone. Doesn't work anymore. It's broken. Catch it. Hey, hey. Bring it back. Don't throw it back. Bring it back. Because it's actually not broken. <laughs> it's not broken. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, where are, you? where are you going, bro? Stay there. Okay. It's not actually broken, bro. All right. Okay. Oh. Is it all right? Flip. Oh, man. Okay. See, your sex life can kind of be like this. If you don't think it's worth anything, you, just, you can catch it because there's no effort. There's no cost. There's no consequence to it. But all of a sudden, when I told them it was working and I threw it a little bit too hard on purpose, it's just a fine, you felt a little bit more nervous, didn't you? And then you stressed out when it went over your head. <clears throat> Because if you don't know what you paid for it, you don't look after it. So what happens is when you don't know what you paid for your life, you don't look after it. So the cost paid for your life was what? Say it again. The death of a savior. So that you can live holistic, full lives. Don't worry, it was broken from the beginning in case you were wondering. I don't want to sit here and lie. <clears throat> but this is it. Nick, you don't understand. It's so hard. Every time I come here, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I walk in and it's like the Holy Spirit's moving. <clears throat> Things are happening. Hilton's roaring. <laughs> hey, Hilton, isn't that what happens with you? Where's Beverly? Beverly can't even get off the floor. She's all like all wobbly and whatnot. Sharon's screaming in her corner. Kudzar's singing like an angel. And every 17-year-old here is like, I just want to have sex with someone. <laughs> oh, God. You're moving so powerfully. Oh, I still want to shag everything. Can you? This is what happens. Uh, I, is it just me? <laughs> See, because if it didn't cost you something, it wouldn't mean anything. So it's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be a fight. It's supposed to be a challenge. Because the greater the challenge, the greater the victory. And you've been, you've been designed for a great victory. So it doesn't matter if you're married, single, divorced, widowed, wild youth, whatever it is, the fight's real and it's difficult. Remember, we are mighty men and women. We've been designed for something bigger than just ourselves. We're supposed to be 
a people that are set apart. And so we can stand here and we can trust the Lord for new buildings. We can trust the Lord for breakthrough, wherever it is, wherever we want to be. But if we don't realize what was paid for our lives, our bodies, and our soul, you'll just throw it away. You'll treat it flippantly, and it won't mean much to anyone, to anything, until you come to the realization that actually without Jesus, we are nothing. And so you might sit here and you go, geez, Nicholas, this is so hard. Well, it's supposed to be hard, but this is difficult. What am I supposed to do? See, the battle for virginity is more than just for yourself. It has a profound impact on society. People are naturally drawn to the supernatural. How many of you know it's supernatural to actually have a healthy sexual life within the confounds of what the Bible speaks about it? And so what happens is, and the guys who have recently got married, like Matt and Josh and all the, the people that have recent, recently got married, I won't say it, Brandon, don't worry. <clears throat> but people are confounded by this. What do you mean you haven't lived together? What do you mean you're not sleeping together? I don't understand. Because they're drawn to the fact that you're doing things right. Because it's actually a supernatural thing. And you can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit and you need your friends around you. Because remember, every battle we have, we're supposed to fight together. Because we kind of try to think and we're going to try to do this. And Stan did it very beautifully last week. Where the men stand, stood over here in the front's. And the woman walked down the aisle. But we have been... But the problem is, if you don't have an encounter with the Lord, you'll go straight back to living the way you were. Because you don't realize what you're worth. And I know I'm hammering in this worth thing, but I want everyone to understand. It's costing you something, but it's supposed to cost you something. Because if we don't give the Lord something that costs us, like David said, we, we must not. It has to cost us something. <clears throat> you know, Judah, my five-year-old, he's not, he's not here, he's in Shan. So Judah, my five-year-old, uh, has a wonderful gift of breaking televisions. So I was hoping Rudy was going to be here, but he's not. So we got neighbors down the road, Rudy, and it was, I promise you, this was a day and a half for me. I had a meeting down at Selborne in the south coast. My starter motor in my car was going. Now you can feel it because it's not, not starting like it's supposed to. And I thought, you know what? I just have to, it has to start twice in the morning to get there. And then it has to start one more time for me to get back. Lo and behold, it gets me all the way there and then says, up yours, Nick. And it decides not to start. So now I had to get a ride back. I got a ride back. I came all the way home. Left my car there, had to organize a tow truck, and insurance companies are awesome. They're like, oh, no, we only cover 60Ks. Well, Selborne's a little bit further than 60Ks, so now I have to pay to get the car all the way back. Then it starts pouring with rain. I get to my house. I don't have my keys. Jan's got my keys, so I can't even get into my house. So I'm standing outside in the rain, my car down at Selborne. I don't know what to do, and I thought, you know exactly what I need to do right now is I need some retail therapy. So I'd been saving for a long time. So when Jan and I got married, we, we bought a TV a couple months or I think a year or so into us being married. And we had the same TV for like 10 years. And I was like, it's time. The Soccer World Cup is coming. I need to indulge in my simple manly instincts and I need to get myself a big TV. So I phoned Rudy. I said, Rudy, are you busy? He said, absolutely not. I said, awesome, you're taking me to Macro. Got a Macro. 
Guys, I bought a 65-inch, pure goodness, beautiful screen that is still stuck on my wall to this day. It's so big, it couldn't even fit in the back of Rudy's bucky. So now it's pouring it around. You put it in the bucky. I want to tell you this because it cost me something. I take it all the way home. I have to lug it inside. I set it all up. The kids are running around now. They, you know, they're a little bit difficult. I take the TV. I put it on to like the, the, the cabinet's countertop, and it's nice. I must say, I'm very proud of myself. I've been saving for a long time. I can't wait. I'm like, the soccer's coming. I'm going to watch every game on this thing. It's going to be awesome. And without me even think, turning it on, Judah, in a swift moment of pure strength, I could only marvel at his accuracy and at his gift. <laughs> threw a rock. It wasn't even, I know, he threw a rock directly at the TV. Boom. It hit it. How many of you know my upsetometer internally was directly linked to how much that flippin' thing had cost me? Again, it's easy to talk about the cost of material things, but when we talk about the cost of our lives, we somehow take it for granted and we don't realize the price that was paid for it. Judah has since gone on to break another TV. That one in the mother's room. It's been replaced, don't worry, but that was Judah. Uh, I asked him, I said, my boy, what happened? He said, I missed Jack. <laughs> what do you mean you missed Jack? And they have got big Lego things in the back like this. So what do you mean you missed Jack? No, Jack was a moving target and I missed him. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't break any more things. But guys, the simple fact of the matter is, if we don't, Let's move this out the way, eh? I need that. But if we don't look after the things we have, we'll give them away for free. And we only look after the things we have that cost us something. See, what happens is, oh, we can hammer, and we can hammer again. Oh, and we can hammer again. And please, no children come play up here because there's glass everywhere. And we can hammer it again. And everyone sitting there is going, oh, but this, you know, we could have salvaged it for something, could have meant something. But what we do with our lives is we let other people hammer it and we give it away and we throw it around because we didn't put any value of what we are. See, both as men and as women, the more value we place on ourselves, Remember, whose image have you been created in? If we don't put value on ourselves, you will let people break you, throw you around, toss you into the abyss, all for simple moments of satisfaction. Why? Because there are dead people out there that haven't met Jesus. But if you are here, you've met him. And so what we're going to do now is if you haven't met him, we're going to have a moment for that. So if you've never met Jesus before, it's very simple, it's very easy to tell because it means you're sitting here now and your heart's racing and you're like, oh, that's it. Well, I'm going to give some time for it. But if you're tired of doing it on your own, throwing yourself around because you feel like you're not worth anything, you need Jesus. Jesus.